Hello and welcome to Creativity Uncovered. My name is Abby Gatling and I am on a journey to uncover how everyday people find inspiration, get inventive and open their imagination. Basically, I want to find out how people find creative solutions and then how they use them at home, work, play and everything in between. And my goal for this podcast is that by the end of it, you'll be armed with a whole suite of tried and tested ways to summon creativity the next time that you need it. Now today, oh my gosh, I am so excited to be speaking with Andy J. Pizza. Andy is a hugely accomplished illustrator and podcaster, and you may recognize some of his works on adverts for Amazon, um, Nickelodeon, YouTube. I'm pretty sure he's even designed a Glastonbury poster, which is pretty epic. So we're definitely in the presence of greatness today. Uh, welcome, Andy. Okay, that I got to live up to a lot there. I'll try my best. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did do did the uh, Cla- uh, Glastonbury 2015 Guardian Guide. That was one of the best projects. So I'm glad you brought that up. Oh, so good. I mean, the breadth of your work is so cool. I was just having another little sneaky peek of your website just before, being like, oh my gosh, there are so many exciting projects. I want to dive into all of them, but. <laughs> But for context, obviously you can tell I'm fangirling a little bit right now, but Andy, I wanted to reach out to you because uh, I kind of need to thank you partially for helping me start this podcast because last year I was actually on a long haul to the US and I came across this creative series you did about finding your creative style and I just binge watched the entire thing. It was fantastic. And I think that it helped click something in my brain. And so throughout that entire trip, it was things were whirring away. And by the end of it, I was like, I'm making this podcast. So thank you, firstly. <laughs> and That's I awesome. also want to go, what, how did you get into that series? How did that come about? <laughs> did that, what, was that on the podcast or was that a class? It was one of your masterclasses. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Did you see it on a plane? I did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a funny, weird thing that I didn't know was I did a class with Skillshare and they put it on planes. So it's a it's on one of the airlines has this on there, which is very bizarre, very weird. Um, but uh yeah, I did that style class because um I I I think when I first started as an illustrator, you know, I didn't I went to school and I was like All my favorite illustrators have a style. I need to spend my time at school finding a style. It seems like pretty important. And I think when I expressed this to my teachers, I was just kind of met with, like I had some great teachers, but early on, I felt like when I would say, I need to find my style, their vibe back would be the kind of overly mystical mindset that you sometimes find in the creative world. And it was kind of like, find your style. Your style finds you if you're lucky. And I'm like, dude, I'm paying you. I can't, this isn't luck. Like I got to figure this out, man. And so I, uh, you know, I think the first few years I was so panicked about what to do because this is what I chose to do as a job that I was just making work that was trendy. And I, I was authentically into it and I still like that stuff that I made, but it wasn't 
it wasn't anything deeper than this is kind of like the trends of the of the moment and i'm trying to put my spin on it but it's not doesn't it's not speaking to why i'm wanted to make creative work and i don't feel like i'm putting myself in it and so i really felt like I was just stumbling through the dark for several years trying to figure out who am I like, and how do you put that into a drawing? Um, And so I was, I didn't know if I was making any progress and then eventually a handful of things clicked and I just wanted to kind of simplify those ideas into a few step-by-step things that aren't magic, but I do think if I would have had that, it would have saved me years. Um, And so that's kind of how I got into it. And then as I also, as I developed in my creative practice and have gone along and kind of dove into depth psychology and, you know, stuff like that, I've realized that some of the stuff that I was doing, there's like a real precedent um, whether it's like Jung- Jungian psychology or active imagination or kind of psych- psychoanalytic way of thinking about symbolism and stuff like that. And so, yeah, the further I go, the more convinced I am that there are pretty practical things that you can do to help project your inner world onto a page in a way that is authentic. So I think that that is kind of where it where it came from. Oh, that's so cool. I I love the fact that there's so much depth to your illustrations that it's not just that it looks snazzy on a piece of paper or on a big mural or, or whatever you're doing at the time. And it's actually thought that goes into it and research and stuff. But how, how do you actually jump into that from going, oh, this looks nice to actually going, I want to find out why this looks nice or why does this, why is this meaningful? Yeah. I'm, you know, um, I think that that is a great question. I think it starts with, um, believing that there's treasure there. Like you're never going to dig in if you don't think there's treasure in there, right? Like you gotta, you gotta have some belief. And I find that that's one of the early hurdles that a lot of creators struggle with. And I really struggled with is I started gathering all of this inspiration and, um, what now I've heard called in the psychology world, um, uh, psychically charged images. So like symbols that were reoccurring in, in my favorite things. And at first I just kind of felt like, Oh, why do you like these? Cause they're cool. Like that was it. Like, cause it's cool. And I think that, um, yeah, the hurdle that the obstacle that I think is easy to trip up on is you don't believe that you are deep as a person. You don't believe that you have any other layers. You don't believe that the reason these things are resonating goes beyond like you're just trying to be cool or, you know, whatever. And so I think that, yeah, that I think that's the real first step is believe gathering this stuff, having the faith that there is something worth cultivating here. There is something worth these connections actually go beyond just trying to seem fashionable or cool or whatever. Um, and, you know, having the faith to dig into them and reflect on them because 
that's the thing I, whenever I've like taught or worked with other creators, that's the first stumbling block is that is getting past. Why do you like this? Cause it's cool. I don't know. Like you, I think you have to go beyond that. And the same, it's kind of the same thing you see in like dream interpretation. And I think dream interpretation is, um, there's a lot of opinions on this, especially, you know, experts in the field, researchers I feel like the jury's really out on what is a dream. Is it, is it totally random? Is it not totally random? I think for me personally, where I can set up camp, I'm endlessly fascinated with dreams. Um, and there are images of our inner world. So that's really rich as a, as a creator, or as an illustrator or whatever. Um, that's like all imagery that you kind of own. So like, you know, that's, that's good stuff to like work from. But, um, I feel, even though I don't really know what dreams are exactly, what I do feel, I feel certain of is that they're kind of like your deep self writing you a poem about how you're feeling. So it might not be more than that, but it's, it is always emotionally charged and those emotions are always showing up as pictures and in the most kind of basic way, that's that is symbolism. That's metaphor, and uh, and it, it, and I'm talking about that because in the same way, it's easy to wake up from a dream and just say, "Well, it doesn't mean anything. It's just random stuff bubbling up," um, if, you know. But in that same way, that with your own taste and interests, you can say, "Oh, maybe there's something beyond this just being cool." and trust that there's some it's connected to something in inside of you um <laughs> is that an answer <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs> I don't even remember what you asked anymore but that's yeah that's it's, it, sounded, it sounded good so i'm happy with that okay. i think that, <laughs> it's interesting that you mentioned the dream thing because i just only a couple of weeks ago interviewed someone who uh helps people remember their dreams better because she believes that it is actually your deep subconscious. Your brain is ticking away whether you're awake or not. And if you can remember as much as your dreams as you can, you can choose to do with it as you will. You can choose to be inspired for your creativity or it might help you solve this problem that you've been trying to work on. Uh, so yeah. I'll definitely flick you that episode. <laughs> cool. That's but awesome. I, I love the fact that um, your creativity is so deeply uh grounded in curiosity and following that you know pulling that thread and seeing where it goes do you think that that is something that everyone needs to have to be a creative yeah i think i think so i think you do i mean i think you have to be able to uh give yourself permission to be curious and let that kind of i think especially as someone with adhd i feel like i I realized like kind of watching my mom struggle with um, similar tendencies. I think I knew in a way that I'm not in control of, I'm not in, I'm not completely in control of what I'm curious about. So I think that there is a way it's kind of curious, George, like you just have to follow him. You can't like, you, you can try to box it in, but it's going to like find a way out and find it. And so I think, even from when I, and, and it's pretty difficult to like build your life around that because it is out of control. It's not your, I, I heard someone today actually talking about how, um, on Twitter talking about how, uh, 
they don't like the idea of ADHD being a superpower. And I totally relate to what they're saying 100%. And I had the, I had a thought then like a couple of tweets down and replies, someone said the same thing, which it's like a superpower that you can't control. So it's like you have laser eyes and you, but you can't turn them off. You don't get to tell them when they turn on, like, because you don't get to control your curiosity and your hyper-focus. It's kind of out, out of your control. And I think that, um, yeah, I think creativity is about is is at least partially about letting that curiosity run wild um and kind of just following it where where the life is, but the other piece to it is is being curious about yourself. And I think one of my kind of go-to core values as a creator is the idea that you know, art is self-expression and you're never going to love the work that you make. You're never going to love that self-expression if you hate the thing it's an expression of, which is yourself. So you have to be curious about yourself. You have to love yourself if you're ever going to love your work. And I think that for me, that was another big breakthrough for style was Um, I think I had a big shift in my mid twenties from a real negative psychology to what, um, uh, is it to a positive psychology, which is an actual, it's not toxic positivity. It's none of that. It's, it's a positive psychology, meaning rather than just saying, here's what's wrong with you and broken and needs to, you know, these are your disorders. Um, positive psychology is this massive movement around, believing that you're you're maybe ultimately a good thing and when you do feel that way you can be really curious because you can open up those doors because you think well even if it looks scary from the outside maybe there's a positive reason why this feature or behavior developed and i think i think more than anything in terms of art that self curiosity is is really key mm so the, so if your stuff is really this personal expression, do you ever feel really exposed having it out <laughs> over the world to see? <laughs> yeah, I do. I do feel that way. I think that um I think that I have luckily uh, from pretty early on felt the need to create boundaries around certain aspects. Um there's there are certain areas it, like i mentioned my mom earlier that's a thing that i have been really open about my relationship to my mom and that how that relates to my relationship with being someone who's adhd um you know those are things that i've been extremely open about and but there are a lot of other things that i don't like i try pretty pretty much to never talk explicitly about my kids, um, their names, their likeness. Like I try not to get into any of that. Um, there are certain aspects of my story that I don't share because I don't really feel like they're public, you know, they're not related to, um, my, yeah, I don't need to be explicit about every aspect of that, but even those things show up in the work, um, and in, uh, in a way that might just be symbolic. So I think that, um, yeah, I I do sometimes feel that way. I do, you know, the thing that I probably feel most vulnerable about is 
for instance, you know, having a podcast for nine years, there are things looking back on that when I think about my position on something or how I showed up in that particular episode, I always know that I was being authentic. Like it's very rare that I wasn't being authentic, but so I wasn't ever lying, but I might disagree with myself now. So like looking back, that's kind of the most vulnerable I feel is like, "Hmm, I wish I could just clarify things or go, you know, uh, disagree with myself or, throw off things that I used to hold dearly and, or, and I just feel like, Oh, I got those things wrong. And I wish I hadn't said that, but that's, I think that that's the nature of having a public art practice too. Um, I'm sure lots of musicians feel like that about songs they wrote or, or whatever. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, and it's such a human thing uh, to evolve and you change your views, you change your viewpoints and you learn more and, but you can't go back and apologize for every, everything. <laughs> you would have a retraction for every episode or something like that. <laughs> so do you, so if it, if it is such a public life and there are some things that you don't want to necessarily share with the whole wide world, do you ever make art that is just for yourself and for your family to consume? Yeah. I mean, I don't, being a, I mean, this is a common complaint about the what happens when you make your passion your job is that you don't have as much left for yourself and, and it kind of changes the nature of this thing that you love because now it's an obligation. So there definitely is that aspect of it. However, I think over the past few years, especially, um, it's and it's been kind of intermittent, but I have done more like journaling and, uh, you know, writing out and sometimes drawing my dreams and stuff of that nature. So there are that, that would be probably the most, that, that would probably fall into that bucket more than anything else of like, um, I've become increasingly interested in, yeah, dreams as a personal journaling practice. And so, and that stuff sometimes bleeds out into my professional practice, but that's probably the most personal stuff that I do. Yeah. If you're doing a lot of this reflective stuff and diving deep into your understanding of your art, is your art evolving with that as well because of that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes. I think that uh, I've been on a weird little bit of a hero's journey with illustration over the past 10 years in a way, because, um, I, when I started the podcast nine years ago, that was on the back of a talk that I did. And I had like really had this incredible experience telling stories on stage just with this little local talk that I did. And, uh, and I wanted to turn that into a bigger part of my practice. And I got so into it that I was like, I like this more than I like illustration. And I had already built an illustration practice. Um, And I was like, I don't know what it is, but it's these analogies and these metaphors and these stories. Like this feels like the most supercharged thing. And so I really think emotionally I left illustration for a little bit and I was diving into this like public speaking, live storytelling thing. And illustration just kind of became part of my job. And then it wasn't until I heard some public speaker 
uh, call one of their metaphors an illustration. They're like, hey, I'm just going to give you this illustration. And I was like, they're the same thing. Like, what's going on? So that was, <laughs> I think that was the first like little bit. And then as I dove deeper into um, really like dream psychology and started to understand, I think, you know, looking back, I'm like, man, there were definitely smart kids, smarter kids than me in high school that when we were reading like classic literature, like got symbolism in the way that I feel like I'm only just figuring out. Like, and so right now I'm having this like rekindled love affair with illustration where like, I really do. My favorite definition of illustration is writing with pictures. And I really do feel that way. And I feel like that's what I'm practicing is the art of finding the right symbols to illustrate um, a point. And I, yeah, I've just kind of, that's been one of the biggest evolutions as of late is that I have fallen back in love with illustration and it's in the power of symbolism and, um, and so, yeah, I think always, and, and I'll say this, I'll add this little bit because it kind of gets back to what I think your original question was, is when I started getting into picture books and wanting to move in that direction, which started probably as far back as 2012, um, I was, you know, met with a lot of people telling me about story structure and all these kind of things. And at first I wasn't interested. I think partially because I just thought, I'll never figure that out. Like, that's not me. It's not, I don't get it. Um, but then at, at the same time on a kind of spiritual journey, I was diving into Joseph Campbell and I didn't see the connection between those two things. I didn't think that it had anything to do with it. And then I read um, Heroes, Hero with a Thousand Faces, Faces, which is his book all about the hero's journey. And then I had heard about a more simplified version of that, which is called The Writer's Journey. And I read that but I wasn't writing, I wasn't reading it as a writer or a storyteller. I was reading it as a kind of spiritual text because it was like helping me understand my life a lot better. And so it wasn't until I was like way far into that and then finally got into picture books and I was doing the podcast. I was like, oh, these are all the same thing that I'm doing. And so that's, I feel like there is always per person, I do think like personal development um is really often precedes creative development and then sometimes creative development unlocks personal development so i feel like they're i feel like they're always kind of arm in arm yeah i love that that all these things are coming together perfectly for you <laughs> at yeah. the right time at the right time because you got to be open and ready to receive that information don't you and yeah you do uh, talking about um, being creative for work and then trying to sustain your creativity outside of that, that's certainly a common thing that is talked about on this podcast. So you sort of pivoted to more towards the public speaking and things like that, but what what are your other sort of go-tos when you just are in a creative funk, if you're ever in a creative funk? How oh, you, I'm in a creative funk that? right now. I'm oh. like <laughs> deep in a creative funk and I think <laughs> – <laughs> I don't, I think there's probably a million reasons why that is. Uh, um, and I think that, you know, I'm pretty convinced that creative funks are 
I'm not saying you should just like lean into them and accept that you suck and just, you know, whatever, roll over and take it. I'm not saying that, but I do think also they are part of the creative seasons. I think that that there's a, there's a degree. And, you know, I heard uh, Liz Gilbert, the author of eat, pray, love and big magic say that, um, you know, the economy and just kind of the way that our world is set up, we kind of feel like the only exact, acceptable trajectory is that you know line graph of the line going up and to the right forever whereas life if you think even just like the seasons of the year that's not how it works like you're gonna have like you know ups and downs and winters and summers and spring you know all that like it's gonna it's gonna kind of take those trajectories so i I think <clears throat> sometimes when I just get a little bit burnout or something um I have a lot of like tricks and things that I can do. And I'll, I'll maybe get into that, but I feel like right now I'm in a a creative funk that I've had to just say, yeah, it's happening, man. I can't, there's not much I can do about it. It's not, it's not like I don't have different things that are bringing me joy or that there aren't like creative breakthroughs that have come in this time. I just think I'm in a, at the start of another cycle of creative output and it's in this period of time i think it's really confusing i think you just get into a very confusing state that um yeah i don't i don't know i think maybe i've said this before too like the first the first piece of getting found is admitting you're lost like when you're lost and you don't want to admit it you usually just get more and more lost until you stop and you're like hey I'm going to ask for directions because I'm definitely lost. Like, so I think that's kind of where I'm at right now. I was like, I'm lost. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm in a weird place. I can't find my way out of here. Um, but yeah, so I, I would say that is often the first thing, but, uh, I, I also think like, um, one thing that has been really helpful is sometimes I'll get way off the map And I'll stop and think, when was the last time I remember that curiosity going on fire? Like, when was that? And can I go return to that and see if there's anything on, you know, unexplored for that? And that, honestly, like that on several time, on several occasions have put me back on the path. Um, And so, yeah. I would say when I'm creatively blocked, that'll be the first thing that I do. That's cool. I love I love learning how people can get back on track and shake off the funk. And for me, it's um, the podcast is that that I love talking to people about creativity and that helps me feel more creative. Uh, and your podcast, Creative Pep Talk, I know we've spoken about it a few times. Very cool. Very interesting. And some amazing guests on there. Does that also help you like reinvigorate? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, uh, I think so about two thirds of the episodes are me are just solo episodes and that's kind of been the core of the podcast. But then I would say like the past few years, I've probably been as interested in that, if not more interested in the the interviews and conversations. Um, like you said, it gives you a, maybe you said this in another episode that I was listening to, maybe yeah. you said it today. I don't know, but, um, 
it gives you an excuse to to strike up a conversation with someone that you find interesting. And so that has been extremely valuable. And I think that I've been able to mold it to my curiosity as well and figure out ways to kind of, um, yeah, to talk to a lot of people in different fields and different mediums and relate it back to creative practice. And, uh, and yeah, I would say, well, I mean, more than anything, the creative, uh, the podcast is just my current creative practice. And I'm a really, really big believer in the idea of having a practice and a discipline because I make, you know, something like 40 some episodes a year, a year, and that ends up being 40 pieces of episode art. And out of those pieces every year, I'm able to cobble together a calendar that we release every year. And I would say I can find 12 of those 40 that are good pieces of work, but there's not a lot more than that. Like the, you know, maybe 15, like that's, and so that's a great indicator of like, what's so great about a creative practice is that through that quantity, you're able to play and make mistakes and make stuff that didn't work. And and if you make 40 things, 15 of them will probably be pretty cool or like you'll be into them. You know what I mean? So I think that more than anything, that's what the podcast is. It's just a framework for having a habit and a practice and a discipline. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Having a bit of a routine is fantastic. It, it, what, what does your normal day look like? If uh, you've got so many I things going on, <laughs> definitely don't have a normal day. <laughs> I try, you know, I think that, um, I mean, I have like, I have certain things that ground it. So I have this, I don't, I don't know anybody that does this. So I just, this is just a weird thing about me, but every day I take about an hour long bath. That's weird. I feel like it's weird. I I'm, nobody does that. I don't know, but <laughs> I, I could it. like that's my grounding like that every day, and I mean pretty much every single day. I'll be I'll take a bath for an hour and a half, hour to an hour and a half, and that always starts with. <laughs> it always starts with just imagine wrinkly. how wrinkly you are when you get out. Yeah, pretty wrinkly. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I I wonder. I, I'm curious about a lot of different aspects of it. I think it's usually a really hot bath, and from what I've read, that kind of raises your like dopamine receptors and levels or whatever. And uh, that's a necessary thing for ADHD people. So I think that's part of it. My mom also took a lot of baths, and. Uh, you know, so I think that's probably part of it. And then another part of it, maybe it's sensory deprivation where it's like, I can think clearer in, in water. I also love the ocean, um, and hot tubs. Like I love water. Um, and, uh, and so I always start with reading. So I always read something. I'm always reading a book and I, I'm pretty slow reader, but I'm always, I'm reading every day. And, uh, then I'm usually writing. So I'm usually writing either the podcast or journaling or writing about my dream or, you know, whatever, or picture book related stuff. And so it's always a daily practice of that. Um, but then I also try to kind of, before I start my day, I usually bring my kid to school. Um, one of my three children, uh, to school and, 
I try to, I really desperately try to do the thing that I have to do that day first. That is the number one thing, but that could be a whole bunch of different things because like you said, I have a lot of different parts, moving parts. So that could be recording a podcast that could be working on picture book thing that could be doing email that could be doing client stuff could be planning a talk. And so all of those things kind of change. But I also, the other piece that um, stays the same every week is that I, I have Monday and Tuesday and then Wednesday morning and Thursday morning all as like deep work time. And so I try to not schedule uh, calls and meetings on Monday, Tuesday, um, Wednesday morning or Thursday morning. And that's, I can't always do that. Sometimes you have to do, uh, schedule stuff in there, but that blocking out time is probably the most essential thing to getting any creative work done. So I, yeah, those things don't change, but what I do in those times always changes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like a loose uh, structure of a framework with yeah. flexibility in there. Cause I think if you get, if you get hemmed in too tight, it's not going to work for you. And then as soon as you realize you can break it, it's it's gone. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Very true. And that's why with my like uh agent, I'm like, I put those things in the calendar and anytime anything would come up, it would, I would just have to be really hardcore about like, Hey, it's Monday and Tuesday, man. I'm not, I can't do that. I'm not going to do it. Like, and I had, I had to hold him to it. I had to hold me to it. I hold my, my wife to it. And we all had to just like get on board. Like that's what we're doing in these times. And, you know, it's like I said, it's not, it's not easy, but that, that was such a, that was a massive shift for me because what ends up happening is, and I think all of the research I've heard around deep work, like Cal Newport stuff, and then all the, all the things that um, a lot of people kind of have explored this with creative work, you can't dip in and out of it. You have to have a good chunk, um, you know, and that's why, you know, even when I had part-time jobs or um, more than that, even what, what would work well is either setting a, aside 90 minutes at the beginning of the day where there's a good chunk where I'm doing nothing but my creative work or using that time to, to set myself up for a larger chunk of time on like Saturday. So yeah, that I think that that deep work um, obsession has been helpful. Nice. Well, I'm glad that it's working for you. And tell me what is next for you. You've got you're working on picture books. You're still doing your illustrations. Got the podcast. You're doing a lot of public speaking, from what I can see. What yeah. What's the future look like for you? Hopefully, sleeping stuff like that. That's a that's all, that's family all time. time. <laughs> yeah, family time. Um, yeah, uh, video games, more video games. Um, all that. Uh, but also, I'm doing a project that I don't fully know exactly how it's going to manifest. And it's, um, it's a little bit more intentionally about my mom and ADHD and positive psychology. And, um, so I've done some like interviews for that, that I, I think would work on the podcast, but I'm not sure if they're what the should be on the podcast. And then also, um, 
written a lot of stories around that. So I don't know if that's going to be, I could see it being kind of like a one person show kind of thing, but I, I'm, I'm not positive about that. Um, could be a podcast series, could be its own podcast, but I've been working on that. I mean, I've been working on stories around that for years and years and years. And then for the past two years, that's been something that's like really been at the forefront of my mind. And and I've been kind of, you know, secretly hammering away at it. And so I think something in that vein is going to be um, a, a focus at the start of the year next year. Oh, that is sufficiently intriguing. <laughs> and I also um, just really enjoy the fact that you're noodling away with something without having a super clear of idea of where it's going to go. You're just kind of following the process. Yeah, you know, I, and that was kind of what I was getting at early on about like the weird funk or fog or whatever that I'm in. I feel like I'm when back in like 2011, I did a project, which was a daily character drawing project um, that turned into the book I released this year called Invisible Things that I co-created with my wife, uh, Sophie Miller. And that project in 2011 was like that, where I was like, I don't know what this is. And it was so uncomfortable. Like that is a difficult place to be in where you're like, I'm making this thing. No idea what it's for. Nobody, I don't think anybody wants this. I don't know what it is. Like, that's a hard thing to do. And I'm trying to just trust that again, because I feel like I'm in a similar place. Um, and it's been really difficult. Um, but I have seen the trusting that has paid off and been a, a, a good practice, even if it's just for yourself personally. Um, I think that that's true. Good. Trust the process. It's worked for you. It will work again. And I am so excited to see what that manifests to be at some point in the future. Um, but thank you so much for coming on today and having a chat with me. I, the, I feel like I could talk to you for a lot longer, but I will let you go. <laughs> um, uh, thanks. Thanks for having me. And um, hopefully we can do it again someday. Yeah. Definitely. And uh, I will make sure that we keep everyone updated with all the things that you're doing. Um, but I also want to say thanks to everyone who has um, tuned in today to Creativity Uncovered. I really hope that this episode has inspired you. Certainly, I've got a lot of takeaways from it. Um, and then I hope that it helps you summon your creativity the next time that you need it. Awesome. Thank you. If you've made it this far, a huge thank you for your support and tuning into today's episode. Creativity Uncovered has been lovingly recorded on the land of the Cubby Cubby people, and we pay our respect to elders past, present, and emerging. This podcast has been produced by my amazing team here at Crisp Communications, and the music you just heard was composed by James Gatling. If you liked this episode, please do share it around. 
and help us on our mission to unlock more creativity in this world. You can also hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any new episode releases.